Hey there everybody and welcome back to the Biathlon Podcast. The season's almost back, starting next Tuesday, so so am I, and I'm here to preview everything that's to come next week over in Contiolati, as well as give you all of the news from the off-season. So let's get to it. That's right, we have got a lot to catch up on in this preview episode. We've got new point systems, new coaches, uh, news on the bands and other athletes that aren't going to be in the field this season. Uh, So we'll go through all the news. Then we've got the women's preview where there has been a whole lot of news to catch up on. And we'll end up with the men's where there's been less news, uh, but it's a lot to catch up on nonetheless. And let's get right into it with probably the biggest change generally that we're going to see in the season coming up. And that is the new point system, which has been implemented by the IBU. So there's three main points here um, that we're going to see change. First of all is that the World Championships will no longer uh, give points to the World Cup scores for the athletes. We'll dig into that a little bit. Uh, Second up is a new sort of point system in general. So a win now is worth 90 points, where it used to be worth 60. Uh, And that's a change that goes down to the SIP place finisher. So those top six getting a a boost in the points uh, remain in the same from seventh down. And the last of those changes is that the two worst results of the season are no longer taken off the overall score. Uh, so let's get into these a bit. Let's go back to the, the World Championships point. Uh, the World Championships, as I say, no longer getting points. The Biathlon World Championships have always been a little bit different to those in other sports, happening every year rather than every two years, which um, people have their own thoughts on. I actually quite like it. I think it adds a little something to the end of the season. Not getting any points. Now there's where here's where the sort of question is, really. Um, does it make them more or less special? It certainly sets them apart from the regular World Cup races, which I, in a way I think I do like. But does it make them less important to the athletes themselves? Are we going to see athletes potentially not even taking part in the World Championships uh, or, or putting in maybe less of an effort than they might? And I think really the only thing, the only thing we can do there is wait and see how it is. I think when it gets down to it, What you're remembered for in sport are the big wins, are the World Championship wins, are the Olympic wins. So I'm not sure it's going to really detract uh, from uh, from those World Championships. But that is something that we're just going to have to have to wait and see. I think we already see athletes prioritizing one over the other anyway. So I'm not sure that that's going to make too much of a change. We've seen uh, Roisland certainly in the past. Uh, taking World Cup races off in order to get ready for the World Championships. So you certainly couldn't say in that scenario uh, that she was uh, only motivated uh, in the World Champs to get those points. But an interesting interesting situation nonetheless. Uh, there's been sort of polls done internally of the athletes. And overall, it seems like they're not in favour of a lot of these changes. 65% of athletes uh, not agreeing with the changes that have been made. Um, In terms of the new point system, uh, so as I say, just to to go over those changes, a win now in the World Cup is worth 90 points, so that's 30 more than it has been up until this point. Second place will now get 75 instead of 54. Uh, Third place getting 60, fourth 50, fifth 45, and sixth 40. And then from seventh down, uh, it's, uh, it's remaining the same. And 
the IBU say they've run a lot of different modeling on this, and they say that this is the the sort of magic formula, the one that's going to get all of the athletes into as many World Cup races as possible. Uh, but as we'll see when we go into the previews, maybe not necessarily the case. Um, I'm sort of in two minds about this. The The argument is that more points means that winning is more beneficial. Uh, so athletes who are saying that they don't want to be forced into racing in every single competition, uh, that that will be detrimental to their performance over the course of the season. Um, that means that they can still take the odd race here and there off and then coming back and winning rather than sort of, as I say, getting a, a bit of a boost. It's going to make a, a big, big difference. Um, so just put that into perspective, last season, if you won, you would only end up with uh, 24 points more than seventh place, uh, whereas now, obviously, that's a, a much larger gap, uh, if I do the maths, 36 to 90, 54 points, possibly. Um, so, yeah, it's, I don't know, it's it's going to be interesting to see. Really, we've just got to wait and see how many of the big names take races off and, and whether there is any change. My theory is that potentially won't be that much of a change. And if athletes think they need a rest, they're not going to push themselves uh, just to end up with some um, with some sort of minor placings in those races. And it will turn out that taking a weekend off might actually be the, uh, be the approach we see, which is the approach we've always seen. Um, the more interesting one, I think, is the, the two worst results no longer being scrapped. And that's something that I've always sort of thought. I've never really liked the idea that races can just be scrapped, that you can take a race off and it doesn't affect you. I like the idea that you have to weigh it up. You have to think, right, well, I can take this race off, but it is going to affect me. What if my rival gets, let's say, a sprint pursuit double? That's 180 points in the bag right there that uh, that they can catch up on you. So I think it's going to make the race for the Crystal Globe more exciting and sort of a bit more of a chess match in terms of which races people take off, which races, which individual races within uh, within a meeting they take off potentially. Um, Johannes Dingersbo's come in. He's had his opinion on this. His opinion is that the relays and the World Championships will be affected and we'll see athletes dropping out of both. And I think on the relay point, he may prove may may prove to be right there because the relays they're always they're exciting races no doubt or they can be but they are always sort of the the sort of lower point of a race weekend in my opinion there's not the prestige on winning a relay for the big countries at least for your norways frances swedens in winning the relays obviously they want to win them but you don't get the feeling that they that they have to win them. It's more an opportunity for the smaller nations. And so maybe this makes the relays a little bit more interesting even in that way. If you've got some of the bigger names resting in the relays, that gives the opportunity to, let's say, the Italys uh, of this world, maybe the American Can Canadian teams as well. So it'll be interesting to see how that plays out. Um, and yeah, all we can do is really wait and see. I don't think it's going to have as big an effect as maybe some people do. Um, but yeah, interesting stuff nonetheless. Uh, next up in the news story, a little bit more of a sort of bleaker news, and that is the ongoing situation um, with the Russian and Belarusian athletes. Uh, so there was a, an IBU vote earlier on in the year where they voted 39 to 2 to extend the bans that are in place on the, the Russian and Belarusian athletes. So we will not see, for the start of the season at least, um, I think it's likely 
potentially that, that this will run for the whole season. Um, but the big names there we'll see missing out uh, on the women's field, the likes of Alimba Carver, Hannah Sola, um, Ratsava and Nigmatalina. And on the men's side, of course, Loginov would be the biggest name, uh, but also Anton Smoltsky, uh, Babakov and Lachapov. We won't see either. Um, so, yeah, I won't go too far into, obviously, all of the, the politics of that. Um, but those are some of the big named athletes that we will not be seeing for at least the, the first few races of the season and, um, and potentially uh, for that ongoing. Uh, they have created their own competition, uh, the Commonwealth Cup, they've called it. Um, so those athletes, in theory, are sort of uh, staying in, in race shape um, should those bans be lifted in the future. And last up in this sort of quick little burst of news before we go on to the previews of the season themselves, there's been a bit of a merry-go-round when it comes to the coaches that are in play. We've seen a lot of movement here. Um, so just to quickly go over some of the, the more interesting names potentially that have been moved around. Uh, we've got the Swiss men's team, obviously losing Benny Vega. Um, so sort of a, a fair amount of change there in the uh, in the Swiss men's team. They've got a new coach, Remo Krug. Uh, former men's and women's German coach and the men's Austrian head coach. Uh, leaving that Austrian po um, post, of course, left an opening there. That has been filled by the Norwegian, Vegard Bitnes, uh, former Austrian and American coach. Uh, Austria, of course, were coached by one of the legends of the sport, uh, Rico Gross. Um, he's gone over to coach the Slovenian team. Um, which has had some some interesting changes we'll go into in the women's preview, uh, a new athlete that we may see racing for Slovenia. Uh, and as I say, she'll be coached by Rico Gross, one of the most successful biathletes of all time. Uh, elsewhere in the field, the, the sort of big teams uh, that have had changes, both the French and German women's team, uh, Frederic John, who was coaching the French team, stood down. And uh, Cyril Burday, who was the men's cross-country skiing coach, uh, is coming in there. So it'd be interesting to see if we if we see much of a change in the uh, in the ski times of the French women. Obviously, some of the the quickest in the field, Julia Simon, um, one of the quickest skiers we have. Uh, so we'll see the effect uh, that having a, a sort of speciality ski coach uh, might have on her performance. On the German side, rather than stepping down, Florian Styra was fired. And uh, been replaced by a familiar name, Svera Oldsbu-Roisland, uh, obviously former biathlete and uh, husband of Marta Oldsbu-Roisland, replacing him on the German women's side. Uh, formerly been coaching the Norway B team uh, as well. So yeah, a lot of, lot of change there in the coaches. Always kind of hard to tell really the effect um, the effect that coaches have without, without sort of talking to the athletes themselves. Um, but a lot of changes there. And we'll see how that affects things. So those are the big news stories uh, of the summer uh, in terms of sort of more general news. We'll dig into the athletes themselves now. And we're going to start off with the women's field. So let's dig in to the women's season that we're about to see. And there has been so much news going on in the women's field. So many people that we are not going to see, unfortunately, in those first races next week. Obviously, there's a few that we already knew retired at the end of last season. We had winners and Ace Best Sean. Uh, we also had big names, the Americans, Claire Egan, Susan Dunkley, also leaving the field. But over the summer, we've seen some of the biggest names in uh, in the women's field dropping out. Obviously, I already mentioned the uh, the bans 
uh, on the Russians and Belarusians, so there'll be no Olympikava, no Hanna Sola uh, either. Um, we'll also not be seeing Monica hoynish Storega, uh, the Polish athlete. She said uh, she's taking the year out, but does aim to be back. Uh, just needs to sort of take a moment, take a break for her own sort of mental and physical well-being, uh, but does aim to be back for the 2023-24 uh, season. Um, no Mona Brawson, which is uh, quite a big surprise. That's basically just because of form, relegated down to the IBU Cup for the start of the season. And uh, you can see why she was uh, not in good form over in the pre-season events uh, at Idra Fjall. Uh, 2.42 behind the winner in the sprint with only two misses. Um, so the ski speed just not there for Mona Brawson, and she has not been taken uh, to Conti Alati. Uh, the big names, however, that we will not be seeing are the trio of uh, three of the most successful athletes of last season. Um, Marta Oldsby-Royzen, Tiro Ekov, and Justine Brazard-Boucher will all miss uh, the start of the season at least. Uh, and in, in Brazard-Boucher's uh, case, the whole season. If we start off with Roisland, uh, she has said that she just doesn't feel in the the right shape to take part at the start of the season. Um, she hasn't been able to train as she wants to, and uh, and yeah, just isn't in isn't in race shape. And without her, we are losing the athlete that absolutely dominated last season: eight wins, seventeen podiums. Um, and really, her challenge this season all depends on when she gets back into the field. We've got three meetings before the new year which online speculation looks like that might be when we're when we're expecting to see her there'll be eight individual races in that time so really if she misses all three of those um Conti Alati, Hockfilsen and uh, Le Grand Bonnard no real coming back in the World Cup standings I wouldn't think uh, unless we see maybe I don't know injuries or real drops in form from uh, from others um which really leads us you to think that she might be focusing on the World Championships over in Oberhof. I uh, did mention that her husband's now uh, training the, the German uh, women's team. So she has mentioned that she wants to uh, to beat them on, on their home snow. So maybe a season where we see Rosalind really focusing on those World Championships, like we saw in Antolz um, all those years ago there. The second of the Norwegians missing out, Tiruekov. Really tough season for her last year, but... It's a shame we're not going to see her because she finished really strongly there. She had that sprint pursuit double win in Oslo. Um, but it does look like, again, this might be sort of mental health reasons. She's had trouble sleeping. Um, no real timeline on when we might be seeing her back in the field. But obviously the main thing there is that she doesn't rush back, uh, takes all the time she needs and uh, and comes back as her best self. Um, leaves the Norwegian team in an interesting position, though. Obviously Ingrid... Tandravold now really leading the team and um and no sort of huge stars left there we've got sort of Caroline Yotten who we will come on to uh Ida Lien and and then some of the um the other athletes that we've seen at IBU cup level um so interesting times in the Norwegian women's team but real shame that we won't have Roisland or Ekhoff in the field for the start of the season and we'll just have to wait and see when they get back the third name I mentioned there Justine Brazard-Boucher, obviously the Mastart Olympic champion from last season, also winning the final race, the Mastart over in Oslo. She says she'll be back next year. Much happier reason for her to miss the season. She is expecting a child. Um, so she is going to be taking the season off and then hopefully coming back as strong as ever next year. 
But with those three names out, we're really, um, really sort of whittled down the field on the women's side. Uh, Justin Brizobichet, the fastest ski speed on average last year. Roisland, the athlete with the most wins and the most podiums. And obviously Ekhoff, just a perennial challenger for wins. Crystal Globe winner two seasons ago. Um, so to go on to the athletes that we will be seeing there, I think that really leaves the door open for Sweden's Elvira Erberg. She is the favourite to take the overall crown at 13-10. to 10. Obviously had a real breakout season last year, four victories, including her first ever victory uh, on the World Cup there in Hockfilsen. Um, the most victories, second only to Marta Olsberg-Roisland. Um, and with those three women that I mentioned not in the field, uh, Rosalind Ekhoff and Brazil Boucher were the only other athletes other than Elvira to win more than two races last year. So Elvira, really the dominant favourite, I would say, to take the overall globe. More top tens than anyone apart from Rosalind as well. So has the uh, the consistency that you need uh, to take that title, especially with this new point system. In terms of her form coming into the season, it looks good. Uh, she took part in the sprint over in Idrafjall. Uh, she was 0.3 seconds behind Anais Chevalier-Boucher there, but did shoot, did have one miss to Chevalier-Boucher, zero. So the ski speed looking good, as we'd expect from Elvira. Um, without Brazil-Boucher, she's the quickest um, skier in the field, theoretically. Um, outside of Elvira, it's maybe slightly strangely, uh, Roisland is still the second favourite. Without a real timeline of when we're going to see her back in the field, though, that's a, that's a pretty silly bet, in my opinion. And I, as I say, I do think that it's going to be the Oberhof World Championships for her. Third favourite, we have the second of the Oberg sisters, Hannah, at 11-2. to two. And it's an interesting case with Hannah. She's been fourth in the overall for the last three seasons. But I'd say last year felt like her most inconsistent year, really. Uh, started off really strong. She won the opening sprint there in Ostersund. But then that was her only win for the season. She had just four podiums uh, compared to seven in the previous year. And uh, just sort of looked off the pace on and off. Had trouble sort of keeping the um, sort of keeping that consistency up. Um, she's always good with the rifle. And so she'll definitely be a challenger in the individuals, you'd, uh, you'd, you'd think. But... I think it's going to be a big challenge for her to get close to Elvira in the overall rankings. Um, ski speed can be good. It can be as good as Elvira, but just uh, just we don't see that consistently enough for me to think that she will be a challenger. Definitely a challenger for the top three, though, uh, you'd have to think. After that, we have a sort of couple of um, groups here. At 17 to 1, we have Denise Herman and Dorothea Vera. And we had speculation that both of the women may retire in the off-season, but they are both back at least for one more year. Um, you sort of tend to think that Vera might stick around for the next Winter Olympics, but uh, but that is up in the air. I don't think these are realistic challenges for the overall. I just can't see them being up there with Elvira week in, week out. Definitely in the, uh, in the scope for race wins, though. For Vera, it's really all about getting that ski speed back up. To, uh, to to sort of closer to the front. She was 23rd on average last year. And when you're that much slower than the top women, sprints especially just become really impossible. Individuals, mass starts become your sort of really um, the only scope you have to win the races when you're giving up that much speed. Um, so doubtful that they're going to challenge, but could be in the mix for uh, a sort of top three, definitely top five. Uh, finish in the overall we then have uh, two other names there at 25 to 1 Hauser 
not so much of a surprise, but Lisa Vitozzi, uh, slightly surprising to see her that high up in the uh, in the bookies' favourites. Hauser, similar story to Vera and Herman, I think. Uh, definite potential for race wins, but not sure I see a challenge for the overall spot. Again, last season, a bit more inconsistent for her than we saw the year before, but top three definitely in play. Vitozzi's the, the sort of really interesting one, in my opinion. I mean, hard to forget the nightmares we were seeing week in, week out last year. Those first shoots, just catastrophic so many times. Um, but interesting news in the offseason was that she'd had surgery on a deviated septum, which was affecting her breathing. 25 to 1 still seems pretty high as a, a bet for Vitozzi to win the overall. But in terms of race wins, how great would it be to see her getting back on the top step of the podium for what would be the first time since 2019? Um, so long time since we've seen Vitozzi. Obviously had those great battles with Vera back then. So, I mean, as you, you can sort of tell here from, uh, from what I'm saying, I think it's going to be tough for anyone to challenge Elvira. But at 33-1, to 1, I think the closest challenger may be Julia Simon. Um, it's, uh, she's had, she, again, had a bit of an up-and-down season last year. She had one win, five podiums, uh, after really breaking through with those two wins the season before. Um, did have a bit of an injury, though. She hurt her knee in Ottapa last season. But back to full fitness, looking really good in the preseason races. Uh, she was second uh, in that individual race over in Idrifjall in Sweden. So if she gets off to a really good start next week, I think she's definitely a threat in the sprints, maybe more than the individual. But if she can get off to a good start, maybe be leading uh, Elvira coming out of that first weekend, then, then maybe she starts to think about a challenge for the overall title um, and could end up being the closest one to Elvira, uh, I think. But that's the, the sort of long-term predictions. Let's dig into next week, though, where we'll be, as I say, in Contialati. We've got the individual for the women starting on Wednesday. And your favourites for that race are Elvira Erberg at 7-2, Hannah Erberg, second favourite, at 6-1, to one, with Lisa Teresa Hauser and Dorothea Vera at 8-1. to one. And Interesting looking at those odds. Elvira's never podiumed in an individual race at the World Cup level. So even as the favourite, I don't think she's the one to back here. And if you were going for an Erberg, I would be looking at Hannah at 6-1. to one. Often starts the season really strongly. As I said, took her only win last year in the uh, in the sort of opening weeks. Um, skis well, in good form in those uh, races at Idrafjall that I mentioned. Individual, she didn't shoot particularly well, but her ski speed looked really good. So if she's coming in in good form, I think Hannah Erberg could be the uh, the person to beat. More of a long shot, and someone I spoke about quite a lot last season, Germany's Vanessa Voigt. We know how awesome she is in the range. Uh, she averaged 91.75% last year in the shoots overall. Um, and easy to forget that last year was her first full season at the World Cup level. So she is undoubtedly the future of the German team. I mentioned that Hermann's thinking of retiring in, the, uh, in sort of the medium term. So Voigt will be leading that team. And this could be the year, I think, where we see her step up into being a sort of real challenger for wins and potentially taking that first win and could happen in the opening race. We do see sort of some odd results sometimes in those opening individuals. So that's where my money be going. 20 to 1, Vanessa Voigt. One other name that I wanted to put into the mix here, though, and someone that we sort of haven't seen a huge amount of after a really good start to the season 
ooh, racking my brain now, possibly two years or three years ago is Sweden's Johanna shot time. I remember the season started in Ostersund. I think it may have been three seasons ago now. And she was up in the top three in the sprint then. She was looking really good and then just sort of tailed off a little bit. I think she had an injury. Uh, but she's looking in really good form coming into uh, into this year. Part of the reason that Mona Brawson's not in the team is the form of, uh, of Schottheim and, to a lesser extent, Anna Magnussen and Stina Nilsson. Um, but that's a, a sort of much more outside bet. Uh, I think she's 125 to 1 to take the win. Maybe not going to be a challenger for the win, but top three, top five for Schottheim, I think, is definitely on the cards. Uh, we then have the relay. And I think this... Could be a bit of a procession, potentially. Uh, this is on Thursday. Uh, the women following the men's relay that day. It looks like Sweden's to lose. Uh, the Erbergs both look in good form. As I mentioned, Schottheim's in good form as well. Without the likes of Belarus, um, France and Norway both weakened, as I've mentioned. You've really got to think that France, with the Nation Valley Boucher, uh, Julia Simon leading that team, even without... Brazar Boucher, they could be the biggest challenger. Uh, but I think Sweden take the win in the relay um, to open off the season there. Then, of course, we have the sprints and pursuits at the weekend. Here, I think it's a battle between Julia Simon and Elvira Erberg. I think they'll be battling it out for the win there. Long shot. Let's talk about Caroline Njotten. Norwegian team not at full strength by any means. But that does give the opportunity for others. And Njotten looks in great form. Uh, two sprint wins in the uh, the sort of preseason race, you might call it, in Schirschen over in Norway. Um, obviously, the, a slightly weaker field without Roisland, without without Ekhoff, but uh, but I think Newton in good form. Tough to see her taking a win potentially, but if people struggle on the range, then she might look to take advantage there. Um, Outside of that, I think it's going to be tough to see many long shots uh, long shots in there. But we do have some interesting people maybe in the mix. Uh, Eucalypt Slattermark of Greenland. I always like to see those smaller countries um, doing well. She came third in one of those races that Njotun won just 15 seconds back. So it looks like she's sort of um, continuing to take those leaps there and she also won the the greenlandic sportswoman of the year which is um which is always nice to see so she'll be in good form in good spirits um for that opening race and that i think is the uh is the preview for the women's so let's move on to that men's field and see who might take the overall crystal globe as well as those opening races of the season there So before we go on to the preview of the men's season, a couple of names that I forgot to mention when I recorded the women's preview a little earlier there. Two sort of more stars of other sports who are switching uh, switching over to biathlon. Obviously, we've had Steena Nielsen um, sort of in the headlines the last couple of seasons. Uh, but we have two more. We have Anna Maria Lampic, uh, the Slovenian, swapping from cross-country skiing. She was the 2021 Sprint Crystal Globe uh, bronze in the World Championships. Um, High pedigree of skiing. Obviously, we've seen the likes of Denise Herman, Stina Nielsen coming over, having success. So we'll have to uh, to keep track of that name, Anna Maria Lampic. Obviously, as I mentioned, being trained by Rico Gross as well. So that's great experience uh, to impart onto her. 
Another name to watch out for is uh, actually on the American team, Tara Garrity Moat. Um, sort of a legend of winter sport, really, aiming uh, aiming for the World Cup. She's in the team, so I'm hoping um, that we'll get to see her in the sprint. Obviously, with uh, Claire Egan and Susan Dunkley retiring, left a bit of a, a gap there in the American team for new faces. Uh, for those of you not familiar uh, with Garrity Moat, uh, she was the Nordic combined first ever World Cup competition winner uh, on the women's side of things there. Um, real trailblazer for women in that Nordic combined uh, event. It's also competed across the uh, across the board there in winter sports. Um, so yeah, two exciting names coming into the uh, into the field. And as I say, Garrity Moats in the World Cup team for the Americans. I doubt we'll see her in the individual, but hopefully might get a little bit of screen time in the uh, in the sprint there on Saturday. Um, so that's the the women's set. With this is the men's preview. So we'll go over to that men's field. And in terms of the overall predictions, it's a, a little bit of a turnaround, really. Usually, we it sort of feels like there are less challenges um, in the men's field than there are in the women's. The women's usually feels a lot more open, whereas this year, as I say, feels like Elvira's to lose to me. Uh, so many years in the past, it's been a two-horse race, uh, the sort of for card battles that we had for so many years. Whereas this season, I think there are potentially seven names in the mix could all be in with a shout of taking that overall crystal globe. One person who unfortunately won't be in the mix was uh, last year's last race winner, Sivert Guttorm-Bakken, a Norwegian out really horrible sounding uh, heart problems that he's had uh, over the summer break there. Obviously took his first win in that mass start, last race in Oslo last year. So looking like a really exciting uh, name coming, coming into this season, but he won't definitely won't be in the field to start the season, and um, yeah, who knows if we'll see him at all this season? Real shame not to see uh, back in, in the field. Um, but for those of who those of whom will be in the field, the favourite, I think, slightly surprisingly, is Norway's Johannes Tingersbo, three-time Crystal Globe winner. Um, just three wins last year. Obviously, we've seen him winning a lot more than that in the past. Uh, but just 13th overall in the overall standings after three globes on the bounce. He was still the fastest skier overall, but just didn't seem to have that sort of just crazy burst that we saw from him when he was younger, where he could just essentially in a sprint miss two, still go into the second shoot with the lead. We don't really see that ski speed from Johannes anymore, even though he is still the fastest on average. Good preseason form uh, from Burr coming into the season. Um, two sprints that he took part in Shershen, he went clear in one, he missed two in the other, um, winning the, the race there where he, uh, where he didn't miss at all. He's also looking good on the skis. Um, that race where he didn't miss, Stella holm also didn't miss, but Johannes took the win by 28 and a half seconds. So he does look like a man who's in form. Maybe that's sort of affecting, uh, that is odds there four to five to take the overall crown. Uh, you won't see many people taking that bet. Not much in it for uh, in it for them there. The person who possibly should be the favourite, maybe a little bit of an insult that he's not the favourite, is, of course, Quentin Fionn-Maillet. Uh, he's at 8-5, to five, the second favourite in the field. But when you take into account what he did last year, I think maybe should be the favourite. Ten wins last year, two gold medals, uh, obviously, in the Olympics there individually, the pursuit and the individual. Um 
sort of deserves the respect of being the favourite, really, in my opinion. He was second quickest to Johannes on average across the season, but much better in the range. 88.5% total shooting from the Frenchman to 82% uh, for Johannes. So you'd have to say that he's the favourite, really, on the on the back of last year. Form coming in is maybe a little bit worse. Maybe that's affecting things. He had four misses in the individual. He was racing over in Sweden at Idra Fjall. Um, maybe a little bit off the pace in the sprint too, but it is very easy to read too much into those preseason races. I remember last year, uh, Giacomel of, uh, of Italy was looking like he might tear <laughs> tear up the form book and, and take some wins. Obviously, that didn't come to fruition. Um, so yeah, you can't read too much into those preseason races. Um, but maybe maybe that's where that uh, that favourite tag's coming for for Johannes. Third favourite is Sterla Holm Library. It obviously came so close two years ago to winning the overall Crystal Globe. I still have my doubts that he can really battle it out with the top two this season, though. Um, obviously, that season where he almost won going toe-to-toe with Johannes, his shooting was what was really doing it for him, 92.6% that year. That came back down to earth a little bit last season. Still good, still 86%. But he's really he needs to get that back into the 90s, I think, to to reliably be challenging uh, the likes of Fiume and and Johannes. It's interesting though, because in terms of the the odds there, you've got those top three favourites sort of grouped together. Um, big big gap between those and the four other names that I'm going to mention though, and I think maybe Lygreed's maybe more in this group than he is the 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 Johannes uh, Fiume group. Uh, and those four names are Tayubo, Sebastian Samuelson, and Emilian Jacqueline, all at 25 to 1. And then Vetcher Sorshad Christiansen at 33 to 1. Sort of similar looks for all of them here. We had two wins each for Samuelson and Christiansen last year, one for Jacqueline. Surprisingly, no wins for Tayubo. It just sort of seems like he gets one every season, but uh, but didn't manage it last year. He's in good form, though. He won a sprint in Shershin, um, looked good, looked good on the skis. So he's coming in in good form. Christensen, the only big name who shot better than Fiume last year. And really, I just thought, came into his own. Obviously, we'd seen him win before. Um, I think back in Canmore in that shortened individual, he won. Um, but last year, it just it really sort of put his mark on the year. Anchoring the relay team, I thought, really did him a lot of good. Um, really dominating some, some sort of big shoots as well, going toe-to-toe. Um, with the rivals and taking the wins there, uh, so Christensen at thirty-three to one, I think it's maybe a maybe a little bit, a little bit too far out there, and I think maybe a, you know, don't put too much money on it, but that's not the worst bet in the world at all. When you look at Samuelson, he's just been around for so long that it's easy to forget he's the same age as Ligre, he's still only twenty-five, and he's got the speed to win. We've seen him win consistently, sort of season on season. But it's just racking up those podiums, racking up those wins. And at that age, this this could happen for him. Um, you, you see these jumps being made. And Samuelson, the Swedish team often starts off very strong. So he could definitely be a, a sort of danger in these opening couple of rounds. Jacqueline, I mean, what hasn't been said about Jacqueline, um, especially with the points changes, so those wins really sort of having more of an effect I don't know if he can really challenge for the overall 
He six races last year were outside of the top 20. He had a few outside of the points altogether. And you just can't do that and make a, a sort of serious challenge for the overall. I wonder if it's more likely that we see him sort of getting himself into, into top shape for those world championships in Oberhof uh, and taking taking the fight there more than for the overall. Uh, the overall. But you never know. The talent is there with Jacqueline. We've seen it before. If he's on form, there's sort of no one better under pressure um, in the big moments, in the big shoots. Shoots fast, always shoots fast, a little too fast for some, me included. But uh, but who knows what he can do this year? Always my favourite to watch, definitely. Um, so those seven names, I think, are the, really the only ones you can look at. Other people that won last year, obviously, Babakov and Loganov won't be here. They're still banned. Johannes Kern, could he do something? I doubt there's going to be a challenge for the overall. Race wins, though, definitely um, a potential for Kern. Switching over the... Uh, the gaze here to Conti Alati uh, in the men's. We're actually kicking off with the men's, so the individual race next Tuesday. Johannes Tingersboom, he's the favourite. Got to be honest, though, I do not buy that at all. He is at 7-4 to four to take the victory, but we've seen it so many times in the individual. He's won plenty of them, obviously, but I'm just not sure he'll have the, uh, the shooting score to be able to take the win. Much better bets for me. Our second favourite, Stellarholm Ligrid at 3-1, to one, and Quantum Fiume at 9-2. to two. Both men that are clinical with the rifle. Um, Ligrid, I think, may be in better form coming in. As I say, you can read too much into that, though. So I'm taking Ligrid at 3-1 to one for the win to battle it out with Fiume, but I think Ligrid takes it. Um, outside of that, it's really sort of tough. Outside of the seven names that I mentioned for the overall, it's tough to see many other people in with a chance. How about Simonada, though? The veteran at 50 to 1 to win. Um, I think that's maybe a little bit, little bit outside of his uh, ski speed now at the age he is. But he stated that his aim this season is to get on the podium in an individual race, uh, not necessarily an individual race, but on his own rather than in a relay, one last time. And if he could just start off the season and hit that goal right off the bat, that would be great to see. The other name that sticks out to me, how about New Zealand's Campbell Wright? You might be sick of me talking about him. I talked about him a lot last season. He's at 300 to 1. I don't think there's any chance of him taking a victory here. But how about a first ever top 10 for the 20-year-old? Obviously, we saw him 15th in Antolts. Uh, there was a bit of controversy. Would he be able to go to the Olympics? Would he represent America over New Zealand if they would let him go? He got there eventually, though, performed well in the Olympics. And a top 10 for Campbell Wright, that could be on the cards in the individual. We then have the relay. That is on Thursday. And definitely more open than the women's relay, I think. I think the, the battle is between Norway and France. They're the two strongest teams. Obviously, Norway with the Burr brothers, Ligreed opening off, and then uh, and then Christensen in that sort of anchor role that he really excelled in last year. Have to be the favourites. But France, they're always they're always gonna be good. A little bit a little bit up and down. They've got misses in them, they've got penalty loops in them, there's no doubt about that. They'll be missing Simon Dessieux, obviously retired at the end of last year. Antonin Giganat, he's been ill. He is back in training, um, but indications that he might miss the individual. So will he be fit for the relay? Um, otherwise, you're looking at Fabian Cloud and obviously um, Jacqueline and Phil Maillet. Cloud's been looking really good in preseason, by the way. He's someone um, who, when we look at the sprints, I think is in with a shout of, uh, of disrupting things. So it's a... 
it's always it's always like this with the French men's relay team. Could be fantastic. Could be absolutely shocking. Um, outside of that, lurking in the background are going to be Sweden and Germany. Sweden, I think, have got a good chance. Ponsiloma has been looking really quick preseason. So is Jesper Nellen looking quicker than we've seen him in a while. Samuelsson's always going to be in and around there. It's just that fourth spot there can be quite tough for Sweden. If they're already sort of 30 seconds behind coming into that sort of first changeover, it can be hard to get back into the mix. Germany always uh, always can be in the mix, a strong relay team, um, but maybe lacking the firepower to get up there with, uh, with the likes of Sweden, France and Norway. We'll then finish off with the sprints and pursuits. When it comes to the sprints, I doubt him for the individual, but I'm taking Johannes Tingus for the win in the sprint on Saturday. The challenges are going to be there. All the names we've mentioned could be in the mix. Some names we haven't mentioned as much, though. Martin Ponsiloma, I said he'd been in good form. He was looking really, really quick in Idrifjall in the individual. Slight hiccup was that he missed 10. So he's going to need to uh, to tighten things up there on the range. Uh, can't, can't sort of go into that, but the skiing looked really, really good for Ponsioma. We've seen him win sprints before at the World Championships, of course, a couple of years ago there in Poyuca. Um, so I think he could be in with uh, with a real chance. Fabian Cloud, I mentioned he was in good form. He won that individual um, where Ponsioma missed 10. Uh, he hit 17 out of 20, skiing well. Uh, he was 34 seconds ahead of Seb Samuelson, who missed the same amount. Um, so you can see the sort of difference there in ski speed for Fabian Cloud. The last person I'm going to mention, a name that, uh, well, been in the news a lot over the summer, uh, been in the news a lot last year, not not particularly positively, but Johannes Dahle back in the German team, and he has had a roller coaster of a summer. Started off, he was relegated from the elite training group uh, there in Norway. Took that quite hard as well, uh, as you can imagine. Thought he deserved to be up there based on his form two years ago. Things then picked up for him. Uh, he got married. He then was the Norwegian Summer Mass Start Championship. He was then back in the elite training group uh, as an injury replacement. Um, and now he's been announced in the World Cup team. So interesting to see how he goes. Don't know if he'll be selected for the individual, should be selected for the sprint. And it would be great to see Dale back on some back on some sort of true form because we know how good he can be. He's a World Cup winner. Um but, uh, but yeah, tough season for him last year. Uh, really tough season for him. If he can get that shooting back on track, he's had back injuries. If that's been sorted out over the summer, it'd be really nice to see Dale back in the top 10. Who knows, perhaps even challenging for a victory. That will do us for this preview episode. As always, if you want to get in touch, you can do so either by Facebook uh, or by emailing me at thebiathlonpodcast at gmail.com. If there's any other kind of social media accounts that you think I should have set up, then uh, feel free to let me know. Um, I'm a little bit lazy with that stuff, but if there's places I should be, let me know and I will set something up there. In the meantime, I hope you all enjoy next week's races. I'll be back after the fact to recap everything there and look forward to Hockfilsen. So I'll see you all then.